Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? You know, it's Friday, and I'm always yeah. glad to be here. Yeah, especially on Friday. I know yeah. I get a little weekend off to recharge the battery. So Trump strikes again oh. last night in <laughs> the North Korea thing. Oh, even, even CNN is having their moment with Trump. Even CNN. Uh, did you hear Aaron Burnett last night? No. I tweeted out Aaron Burnett from CNN. CNN, the Clinton News Network, yeah. or as Michelle Malkin calls him, certainly not news. <laughs> as I've heard also, corrections, not news for CNN, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, CNN, Aaron Burnett last night with regard to the new news about North Korea that Trump is going to accept an invitation from Kim Jong-un mm-hmm. to talk about potential denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. CNN themselves, Burnett had to say, hey, listen, (laughs) if this goes down, this guy's going to be a great president. I mean, Aaron Burnett, who, listen, CNN, it's almost universally accepted. You have to bash Trump at all times. So I got a lot on, uh, I've got, how do I lay this out today? I like to tell you where we're going to go. I learned when I was an instructor in the Secret Service Academy, tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them. And then tell them what you told them, and they'll never leave with any question marks. I've got some extraordinary findings on the framing of the Trump team. And thank you to the, you know who you are, who tipped me off. I've been doing homework for a few days to bring to you another, I haven't told Joe about this, No, another wrinkle in the greatest spying scandal and spy story of all time. Unfortunately, it really happened. Yeah. So stay tuned. You are not going to want to miss this show. All right. Today's show brought to you by our buddies at Helix Sleep, potentially the greatest pillow ever in the history of humankind since we started bunching up leaves to sleep on them. No, this thing is no joke. Listen, there's nobody on the planet like you. So why would you buy a mattress built for everyone else? Working with the world's leading sleep experts, experts, not experts. I don't know what that is, but working with the world's leading sleep experts, Helix Sleep developed a mattress that's customized to your specific height, weight, and sleep preferences so you can have the best sleep of your life at an unbeatable price. The mattress is killer. The best of the best. Here's how it works. I love the pillows, too. Go to helixsleep.com. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com, helixsleep.com. Fill out their two-minute sleep quiz. It's super short. I did it myself. And they'll design your custom mattress. They can even customize each side for you and your partner. In 2018, Helix Sleep has taken customized sleep to the next level with the Helix Pillow. Joe, I got to get you. I I haven't got you a free sample yet. I got to get you one of these bad boys. I know you need your sleep. This thing is amazing. No, you're going to love this thing. The all-new pillows are fully adjustable so you can achieve perfect comfort regardless of sleep position or body type. They ain't kidding. Helix Sleep has thousands, thousands of five-star reviews, plus you get 100 nights to try them out. That's how confident they are. Cool. I love when it says call to action. Must read. Here is the call to action. No, folks, this is serious. This company's great. I'm not messing with you. I don't take on If this pillow was bad, I wouldn't. This is the greatest pillow (laughs) ever. And for a limited time, you'll get $50 off your mattress order when you go to helixsleep.com slash Dan. helixsleep.com slash Dan. H-E-I. 
Oh, excuse me. H-E-L-I-X sleep.com slash Dan. Sorry, I'm excited about this read. H-E-L-I-X sleep.com slash Dan. Helix sleep.com slash Dan. Go check it out. Their mattresses, their pillows are amazing. Can't say enough good things about them. Okay. Let's dig into the juicy stuff today. Here we go. Big thanks to the tipster on this. So you know how I've been telling you folks that this has been a frame job on Trump the whole time? Yep. It's been a setup. And I've said to you that all, all of the sources of information that have been used to claim that Trump is colluding with the Russians, all of them are somehow connected either to the Clintons or people the Clintons paid. Right. All of them. Mm Mm-hmm. All of them. Michael Isikoff, the reporter who got his information from Steele, who was paid by the Clintons. Christopher Steele himself, who was paid by the Clintons. The list goes on and on and on. But one of those sources is a man named Alexander Downer. Ah. Alexander Downer, for those of you who have been regular listeners, is the guy who meets in the London bar. Wow. Wow. He meets in a London bar. I wonder how that meeting happened. We still don't have the details on that. With George Papadopoulos, a third-rate backbencher on the Trump team, he meets in a London bar, and supposedly Papadopoulos mentions something to him about the Russians having dirt on Hillary. This, according to the New York Times and internal sourcing they have, is what sparks the FBI investigation of the Trump team. Folks, that is the dumbest story I've ever heard in my entire life, but the New York Times laps it up like dogs licking from a water bowl. <laughs> It's pretty disgusting. By the way, I'm sorry for sucking on the lozenge yesterday during the uh, show. I drove people crazy. I, a couple I, of people emailed me like, dude, I love you, but I listen to you on headphones. If you suck on another nitric oxide lozenge, would you listen? I will personally come to your house and rip those lozenges out of your mouth. So my sincere apologies to you I knew you, you were going to get that. I knew you yeah. were going to oh, get that. I know. I know. I can see you work. I, I'm sorry if I forgot to take it, folks, and I love that it. it clears my head out. So Downer, this story got sucked up by the lapdog media that Downer has this meeting with Papadopoulos and magically it makes it back to American Intel and it starts the biggest counterintelligence spying operation in U.S. history, a almost laughable story. And why do I say that? Because the whole world knew that the, the, the Russians had dirt on Hillary because she had a private server that was hacked into. So it's not a mystery. Now, thanks to some sourcing, I was I was moved in a direction. About Downer. Folks, this was a setup the whole time. Mm-hmm. Now I've rehearsed none of this with Joe because right. I want his genuine reaction. Let me give you some little tidbits here. I'll walk you through this step by step by step. I lined it out and I have this under the title More Clinton Connections. Okay. okay. Point number one Tony Rodham. Mm-hmm. Rodham. As in Hillary Rodham Clinton. Yep. Brother of Hillary Clinton. 10 4. Was under federal investigation at one point. Was sub, was part of a federal investigation. Probably a more precise way to say it. Say it to obtain visas for two people who were denied visas to get into the country. They were Chinese nationals. Apparently, the investigation involved Tony Rodham, brother of Hillary Rodham Clinton. His intervention to get these two Chinese nationals uh, a visa to get into the United States. Mm-hmm. One of those foreign nationals was the vice president of a company called 
Huawei Tech. I'm sorry if I'm saying it wrong. H-U-A-W-E-I. It's a big company. Um, they're involved in some patent disputes with Qualcomm and others. But this is a basically smartphone type phones. technology yeah. supplier. I yeah. recognize This is phones. not a small company. Yeah, they're Wee in Wee. the news a lot lately. Weiwei. Is that what it's called? I believe it's called yeah. pronounced that Probably way. Probably saying Wee. it wrong. But you get the point. So Tony Rodham is been uh, is involved in a federal investigation to get visas for a vi- one of for people who are denied entry one of them uh the vice president of this country but the, for for um uh, we what do you call we wait we tech wave. there mm-hmm. yeah okay now this company there has been under suspicion by the United States for a very long time for things. Matter of fact, I'm going to include in the show notes today at the end at Bongino.com. Again, you join my email list. I will email them to you. I appreciate that. I'm going to include at the end three separate articles that were sent to me. Good job. And the first one is going to be an article from DickMorris.com, which lines out the investigation into what happened with Hillary Clinton's brother and its relationship to this Chinese company. It's a fascinating investigation. It involves the now governor of Virginia, Terry McAuliffe, a Chinese green type car company. Hmm. By the way, the same federal investigation or involving uh, the FBI and others, it's, which is fascinating, that involved uh, Andrew McCabe, who was a manager at the FBI, who's, by the way, uh, Andrew McCabe's wife who was the former deputy director of the FBI, ran as a Democrat and was supported with $700,000 in funds, funds associated with Terry McAuliffe and associated political action groups. But McAuliffe's under federal investigation. Matter of fact, I'll include a Politico piece about how the federal investigation, some components of it are still ongoing and are are bothering uh, or kind of hindering his 2020 presidential ambitions. So, Second piece I'll include is from Slate. Left, and folks, I'm using Politico and Slate for a reason, because liberals like to call us all conspiracy theorists. Uh, call Politico and Slate conspiracy theorists because they're left-leaning outlets. So track me here. Hillary Clinton's brother is associated with executives from this Chinese company. Mm-hmm. Second part, Slate article. Here's one of the, the uh, takeaways from the Slate article about this Chinese company. The U.S. government is not prepared to trust phones made by WeWay there, one of Chinese large, one of China's uh, largest tech companies. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they make some smartphone-type technology, this Chinese company that the U.S. government is not trust mm-hmm. for, parent, uh, for espionage-type reasons. Yeah. The U.S. government has some history with this, uh, with this company. You can look at it and look at some of the complaints they had. Uh, the, just Google it. It's H-U-A-W-E-I. But really, the Slate piece, which, again, is a left-leaning outlet, describes a lot of the problems they had with this company, and they're inherently a little bit mistrustful of them because of some of the background. Mm-hmm. So just to be clear, Hillary's working, Hillary's brother's working with this company. The company isn't trusted by, uh, uh, isn't trusted by the U.S. government. Terry McAuliffe is involved with Hillary Clinton's brother. Also, uh, some of the people in this company are involved with a green car company. McAuliffe's involved with as well. Mm-hmm. Who do you think? Who do you think is named to the board of this company? Right around the same time, all of this is going on. Our buddy, Alexander Downer. What? Folks. What? 
I'm telling you, I always say Dude. to you, remember the names. Remember the names, right? Right? Yeah. Crazy? yeah. Remember the names because they will always creep up again. The best tip I ever got in my life as a federal agent was memorize all the names in the case because when they creep up, if you don't have them committed to memory, you'll forget the connection and you the bell won't go off. Wow. So I wanted to verify a lot of this, so I did some homework on it before I brought it up. And it turns out these stories are, in fact, accurate. McAuliffe, under investigation by the feds. The FBI, one of their lead manager's wife, is running as a Democrat for state Senate in Virginia while the governor of Virginia is under federal investigation. The deputy director of the FBI, federal investigators, his wife, gets $700,000 from political groups associated with the same governor of Virginia under investigation for working with Hillary's brother, who's working with a Chinese company. The U.S. government suspects may be involved in some kind of espionage operation at some point. Mm Mm-hmm. And that very same company names to its board right around the time that Rodham's, Hillary's brother's trying to get these visas, names Alexander Downer to the board of their operation. The very same guy, by the way, that conveniently meets with a Trump associate Papadopoulos in a London bar and starts one of the biggest spying operations on a presidential candidate or on any other American citizen, for that matter, in U.S. history. Just when you think it can't get any stinkier. Joe. Holy cow. Joe. I, I, you know, I was hesitant. This stuff came in ah, yeah. a little wit, a little while ago. I was going to say a little bit and mixed while and bit a little wit ago. Mm-hmm. And I, I was hesitant because I'm like, no, no, this is too convenient. Maybe it's the wrong guy. Maybe it's a different downer. Right. You have to be careful. To And I'm looking and I'm looking and I'm digging through some other stuff. And it turns out it's it's the guy. It's the same guy. The same Alexander Downer who started the spying operation on Trump by his tip, this Australian foreign minister at the time, his diplomat, who through his relationship with the American intel agency started this entire operation, is the same guy on a board of a Chinese company that was working with Hillary Clinton's brother to get a visa to get into the country to start an operation, by the way, with the governor of Virginia, who's uh, the governor of Virginia who supported the wife of the deputy director of the FBI who was running for state office of Virginia as a Democrat. Folks, you can't make it up. Again, I'll put the articles in the show notes. They're all sourced. Do it yourself. Just read them yourself. I will put them at the end. I'm I'm intention. I know you may say to yourself, fair enough. Why are we giving them clicks, Politico, Slate, whatever? Yeah. Folks, in this case, it's important. It's critical. I am intentionally using left-leaning sources to refute the preemptive liberal argument that this is conspiracy theory x-files nonsense it's their stories tell me what i said is wrong tell me anything that i just told you repeat it to me and tell me where there is a a missing fact or a data point that is inaccurate i'm simply trying to tell you and i've been making the case repeatedly over and over and over that all sources lead to clinton it's the clinton dossier The Clintons influenced the federal intelligence agencies and the media who were willing hacks in this entire operation to spy illegally and leak information to the media about the spying operation on an American citizen associated with Donald Trump and potentially Donald Trump himself. It's the biggest scandal in modern American history. 
They, they, nothing I'm telling. The connections are there. He's on now. You may say, well, there's no evidence that um, that the, you know that Downer knew Tony Rodham. We don't know that yet, but there's certainly evidence Downer knew the Clintons. Remember, folks, a criminal case is not proven. It's proven beyond a reasonable doubt. There's a difference. Mm-hmm. You need enough evidence to prove a case beyond a reasonable doubt. Nobody ever proves anything. I mean, even cases where people have admitted to crimes, by the way, as evidenced by Mike Flynn, aren't exactly evidence of crimes committed. I still don't believe he committed a crime. I think Mike Flynn was badgered into confessing. That's Mm -hmm. a whole other story. You prove things beyond a reasonable doubt. Circumstantial evidence is evidence. It may not be enough evidence to establish probable cause, but folks, let me just give you a quick example of this because this is important. Because here's one of the things that bothers me. I'm I'm with Marie Harfalot and outnumbered, and and um, let me just tell you something. I'm going to be. I know this. Some of you may not want to hear it, but I'm going to say it anyway because the show's about honesty, even if you don't agree. I have dealt with Marie often off the set. She is a really, really kind and nice person. I want to put that out there. If that bothers you. I'm sorry. I'm not going to lie to you. She's wonderful. On the set, she's a bulldog, and she says things I think are crazy, and we fight on the set a lot. <laughs> she says a lot on Outnumbered, which bothers me, I might add. And I, you know, Again, I, I'll say this to her on the set like I'd say it here. I'm not trying to attack her on my show. She'll say things like, you have no evidence. So she says it all the time if you listen to Outnumbered. She'll say, you have no evidence of that. Folks, I, I, don't, I think it's a misinterpretation of what evidence is. Here's what I mean. If I find Joe mm-hmm. at a scene a crime scene of a stabbing and Joe's there with a bloody knife in his hand. That is not proof Joe committed the crime. It's circumstantial. For all we know, Joe could have defended the guy who got stabbed against the attacker and stabbed him as he's running away, right? Right, We don't know. But then what do we do? We build a case around other circumstantial evidence. We see Joe on video camera following the victim for blocks on video footage, right? Mm -hmm. We see Joe looking around furtively. We see Joe getting the knife and approaching from behind. Maybe it's never on video Joe engaging in the actual stabbing, but there are a number of explanations. Maybe as he's approaching from behind, he sees the other guy coming at him and he was stabbing the real attacker. Folks, the point is you prove things beyond a reasonable doubt. What I'm trying to tell you with all of these setups here, okay? The fact that Downer is involved in an operation with the Australian government to get $25 million to the Clinton Foundation clearly has a relationship with the Clintons. And a financial one through government funds in Australia. Downer is working on the board of a company that is dealing with Hillary's brother to get a visa into the country to establish an operation with the Democrat governor of Virginia, who's a Clinton consigliere, who's under investigation by the feds, who a federal investigator's wife is then paid $700,000 in campaign funds to run for office. These are all pieces of video and bloody knives over and over that I'm just telling you the evidence is overwhelming. We have it. My book is almost done. We, we finished the timeline last night. We got about another week before the content's done. Folks, when you put together 100, 200, and 300 pieces of circumstantial evidence, what I'm trying to tell you here is the evidence right now is beyond probable cause that it is most likely that there's no other plausible scenario other than the Trump team was set up. I don't believe for a second 
that downer ran into Papadopoulos in that London bar by accident. Hell no. It is it is beyond the reasonable doubt to me at this point. Now, if Downer was a knowing or unknowing participant, we still don't know. And I'll, I, I'm, I'm only going to be fair. Until I know that, it would be unfair to say it. What I'm saying is he may have been set up too mm-hmm. as a dupe. And he may not have been involved as deeply as other people wanted him to be involved, if that makes sense. In other words, even if we pay Joe to go and knife someone, mm-hmm. Joe may not know he's knifing a political leader that starts a world war. Joe may have no political ambitions at all. He may just take in a five thousand dollars in cash. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. To go and hurt someone. Right. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Like I'm not sure of his knowing level of involvement, but I am reasonably confident at this point that the meeting in the London bar is not an accident, folks. This thing is ugly. All right, uh, I got more on this too. So this is, I got another, something I told you, in case you think the sourcing I have on some of this stuff is crazy, um, I've got some other information for you. And I'm really not trying to pat ourselves on the back. I'm just telling you what we told you a little while ago about Sessions, all starting to come full circle. Mm. All right, today's show also brought to you by our buddies at uh, Freedom Project Academy. Love these guys. Welcome back, Freedom Project Academy. America's schools are nothing like we remember them growing up. Far different than when me and Joe went to school. We grew up in safety, and learning was more than just safe spaces and a bunch of propaganda. And even though technology continues to offer new opportunities for learning, I think we can all agree that traditional moral values, once woven into the fabric of the classroom, have practically disappeared. It's true. That's why you need to consider Freedom Project Academy's fully accredited Judeo-Christian classical online school for kindergarten all the way through high school. We're talking about incredible interactive education where students attend live classes, folks, every day with teachers and fellow classmates from across the country. Freedom Project Academy doesn't accept a penny of government funding, which allows them to stay committed to teaching students how to think, not what to think. No propaganda there. Families can enroll students full-time or start with a single class. It's entirely up to you. Go to freedomforschool.com and request your free information packet from Freedom Project Academy. Enrollment ends in July, but classes do fill up fast, folks. That's freedomforschool.com. Freedomforschool.com. Don't forget to tell them the Dan Bongino Show sent you. Thanks, folks. It's a really good place. Go check them out. Freedom Project Academy at freedomforschool.com. All right, folks, I said to you a little while ago, um, and I, I meant it, that be careful with the anti-Jeff Sessions stuff, that there are things going on behind the scenes I'm relatively confident of that Sessions knows. Um, and I said, just give him some time. And I even reiterated it this week on the show, that there were procedural and logistical reasons that just uh, that sessions the attorney general had to kind of slow walk a bit the public acknowledgement of an investigation that's already going on behind the scenes into the grotesque abuses of our intelligence infrastructure to spy on donald trump one of those procedural hurdles was the inspector general michael horowitz's investigation into the clinton email scandal and the fbi's handling of it there are reasons they had to wait on this a number of reasons that are not just simply summed up by me saying oh just be patient 
there were procedural hurdles. I worked within the federal government. I'm intimately familiar with how some of this stuff works. There are administrative processes that absolutely have to be followed. So I asked you, I said, be patient. The IG report is ready to be wrapped up. It's supposed to be released sometime right now and around March. And it's critical that we give sessions some time to operate until this report, in fact, comes out. I did also say to you, if nothing happens after that and this case lies fallow and nobody is punished for the grotesque abuses of our spying infrastructure, I am with you 100 percent. I will join you in vocal and robust, vibrant calls for sessions to step down. I'm not willing to do that. Now, Joe, you have that uh, that sot line yeah. up there. So. Here is Jeff Sessions in a recent appearance this week on the great Shannon Bream, who I uh, love to death. She's terrific. On her show, her 11 p.m. Eastern Time show on Fox News, talking about, and this is a major revelation that went unnoticed, by the way, by a lot of people in the media. Not on the conservative side, but on the liberal side. Play that cut. Well, I have great respect for um, Mr. Gowdy and Chairman Goodlatte, and we're going to consider seriously their recommendations. I have appointed a person outside of Washington many years in the Department of Justice to look at all the allegations that the House Judiciary Committee members sent to us, and we're conducting that investigation. I also am well aware that we have a responsibility to ensure the integrity of the fight of process. We're not afraid to look at that. The inspector general, some think that our inspector general is uh, not very strong, but he has almost 500 employers, employees, most most of which are lawyers and prosecutors, and they are looking at, at the FISA process. We must make sure it's done properly, and we're going to do that, and uh, I'll consider their request. There you go, folks. There was a critical, critical statement he makes in there. I hope you didn't miss. He says at some point, I will consider uh, Gowdy and Goodlatte's recommendation. The recommendation was to point a, just to be clear, a second special counsel to investigate basically the spying scandal, the FISA process to spy on Trump. But he says something after that. I don't know if you caught it. And I want to give a hat tip to... um. Mark Tapscott and a life set piece. He covers some questions by uh, by another blogger uh, who writes for Conservative Treehouse that are good questions. I'll put the life set piece. Please, please read it at Pongino.com today or uh, if you're on my email list. He covers some critical questions about the statement. What was the statement? You haven't told us what it was. He says, I'm going to consider the recommendation of a special counsel, but I've already appointed someone. Oh. Oh, you have? I'm giving Joe the look. Oh, really? Kind of sounds like something we told you, what, three months ago on the show? Yeah, boy. (laughs) You're damn right. Thanks, Flava. You're darn right. Take it easy. As my buddy used to say in New York, take it easy. Take it easy. Things are going on. Things are moving. Tentacles are wiggling their way into the little crevices of the D.C. swamp and starting to shed uh, light on those dark little cracks where people hide. Why is it important that he's already appointed someone? And note, Joe, he says someone outside of D.C. Yes, I did. You caught that, didn't yep. you? Now, cat tip to Armacost, too, for bringing this uh, sound cut our way. I did hear it uh, live on Shannon Bream. Um, and shame on me. Sometimes I need Joe to remind me about what's important, because some of you may have missed that. 
Bream show is great, but it's not 11 o'clock at night. He appointed someone out. The person's already working. Folks, this is already being looked into. Now, read the Tapscott piece because they asked some really terrific questions in there. And one of them is, if they were already appointed, what were they appointed to do? Now, if you look at the mandate, as covered in the piece, by the way, if you look at, to give appropriate credit, if you look at the mandate for the inspector general's investigation into the Clinton email scandal handling and the missteps by the FBI, one of his mandates is to investigate any associated crimes that may have happened in there. Maybe a crime like leaking from the intelligence community to the press, which is a felony. Now, isn't it interesting that this person was already appointed, maybe pursuant to a bunch of leaks that already happened? Now, folks, this is going to be the real hammer to drop. The hammer to drop on all of these zeros, these losers, I'm sorry, that have been involved in the most corrupt, disgusting spying operation on an American citizen in modern history. That is the Obamagate spying scandal on Trump and the Trump team. Here's the problem they're going to have. Leaking information about unmasked names, classified intelligence is a felony, as I just said. These people are going down. I have never been more convinced If I'm wrong, I will have to correct it on the show. I would not say it if I didn't absolutely believe it and I didn't feel like the sourcing on it was good. These people are going down. How do I know this? Let me walk you through and forgive me for some of you. Some of you may have heard this before. But I want to walk you through what I think is an internal kind of white hat operation. To out leakers in the government. That has been ongoing by Sessions and his, quote, investigator. We don't know who this person is. All we know is it's a person from outside of D.C. Let me walk you through a series of things that have happened that. Let me get this right, because, man, I don't want to screw this up. This is one of the more critical things I'm ever going to tell you. That are designed to out people within the swamp who people in the swamp have become frustrated with. Here's what I mean, Joe. I think there are an overwhelmingly number. I know people get upset when I say this sometimes because they're frustrated, understandably, about what happened with the FBI and the CIA. I'm telling you from my personal experience, the percentage of good to bad people is 80-20, if not Mm 90-10. Let's go with the low end. Let's say it's 80-20. The 80% of good people, the angels in the government, are tired of the devils. There are people within the government who are working right now with this Sessions investigator to out people leaking to the press about classified intel that was designed to damage the Trump team through the spying operation. You tracking me? Mm -hmm. Spy on Trump. Get damaging intel. Intel's classified. How do we get classified intel to the press? It's easy. We leak it. There are people within the intel and FBI community who are saying, "Ah, not so much. Not on my time. I'm sure of this. Here's my evidence. Number one, do you remember the leak about Mike Flynn 
being instructed the Lieutenant General Mike Flynn, who was, of course, Trump's appointed national security advisor, was forced to step down and subsequently prosecuted on a nonsensical uh, operation by the Mueller special counsel. Mm-hmm. There was a, a classified leak that Mike Flynn was instructed by the Trump team to contact the Russians while Trump was a candidate. Well, half of that story was wrong. Mm -hmm. He was instructed to contact the Russians when Trump was president elect. He was the national security advisor. The candidate piece was wrong. Follow me because I'm going to walk you through a few pieces of information to show you that people in the government are outing leakers in conjunction with the Sessions team. And they're going down. They're going down. Oh, yeah. We don't have Macho Man still, do we? We'll have to get him back. We will. Flynn. So remember. There are pieces of information that are being leaked. I'm going to leak. I'm going to tell you a couple of them. And there's always one piece of the information that's wrong. So first is Flynn. Second, that Don Jr. piece of information is leaked. That Don Trump Jr. He was contacted by WikiLeaks about some emails and a cache of emails. And he was given some kind of, uh, you know, secret way to access these emails. Everything about that was right, except for the date. Well, you say, well, why was the date critical? The date was critical because it was wrong. Yeah. The date he was contacted, what the emails were already public. There was no secret back channel. Let me get this straight, folks. Google, Bing, Yahoo, whatever search engine you use is not a secret back channel. It was, and by the way, Don Jr. never answered the email. There's no evidence, none, by the way, he even read the email. As I said to you when we uh, outed this story, the only evidence you have is that Don Jr. was spammed by someone (laughs) trying to send him an email. There is no evidence he even read the email. Not to mention, even if he did, the emails were already public. There was no secret key to Google. It's called Google or Yahoo, whatever you want to do. You could have read them yourself. So everything about the story was right except for the date. Third story. I'm going to add one more piece of this because this is going to really blow your mind. Another piece from Lee Smith today at Tablet Mag, which is awesome. I tweeted it twice. So here's the third piece of information, the Deutsche Bank story. I was on the set of Outnumbered at Fox when this story broke. The story was leaked. Trump's bank records at Deutsche Bank. Bob Mueller's looking into him. He's in a lot of trouble now, Joe. Money laundering everything. We're going to get that Trump. What was the problem? Again, the story was right. Except for one critical piece of information. It wasn't Trump they were looking at. It may have been others involved with the Trump team, but it wasn't Trump. So it was a leak. Half of the story's right. To give it some patina of credibility. But a little tidbit is wrong. Why would these leaks keep coming out that are somewhat credible, but with one single piece of information that is magically wrong? Let me throw one more at you. Now, the date here is critical, and you'll, you should catch it right away. This is a December 31st, 2016 Washington Post story. Now, why is that date critical? Because Trump's not the president yet. He's the president-elect. He's not the president. But this, I think, buttresses my point here that this is not strictly a Sessions operation. Sessions is not the attorney general yet. He, Trump's not the president. How can Sessions be the attorney general? The Obama administration is still in charge. 
but I think there are a series of fake leaks with little tiny bits wrong to out leakers. Here's the story. Read the piece by Lee Smith and Tablet Mag. I will put in the show notes. I'm going to get more into it in a second, but it is really awesome about the press's role in basically bringing in the tyrannical anti-civil liberties state. That's what the press is for now, most of them. They They may not know it, but they are. It's a story by Adam Entiaus. I think I'm saying it right. I don't know. I just screw up their names. I don't care. People screw up mine all the time. So, um, But it was a story about how, you may remember the story, about how the Russians hacked into this Vermont dam. Russian hackers yeah. are breaking into our infrastructure. Now, I have no doubt that the Russians are a serious geopolitical foe. But the story, again, is half right. Oh, they hacked into a Vermont dam company's computers. But the computer was an isolated laptop that had absolutely nothing to do with the infrastructure of the dam, the working of the dam. I remember that one. The story was half right again. Folks, I'm telling you, what's going on here is an internal operation by Intel people fed up with this garbage who are feeding information to this Sessions, air quotes here, new investigator looking into this. He already admitted, you heard the sound yourself, from outside of D.C. to out what is the biggest crime right now, should be the biggest crime of your concern right now, which is the politicization of the intelligence agencies and sophisticated, complicated leaks designed to discredit the Trump team in conjunction with the lapdog, sycophantic, bootlicking, butt-kissing press who has no idea how big of a role they have played. Some of them may. They may be willing participants in the biggest spying scandal and corruption of civil liberties in modern U.S. history. And ironically, the media that pretends to worship the First Amendment, freedom of speech and freedom of the press has played an active role in the undermining of the destruction of the Bill of Rights themselves. The Sessions team, I'm convinced, you heard it here first. Where, Folks, I, listen, I ain't patting myself on the back, I swear, but where have we been wrong so far? Where? These guys are good. They're good. They're good. Where have we been wrong? The Sessions team is going to target the leakers. And the media is not going to have any plausible deniability. I am an absolute vocal, avid supporter of a free press. I am. It is not some kind of a caveat thrown in there to virtue signal. But when a free press abuses its rights to take away the rights of others, that's not a free press. That's a tyrannical press. And if you were part of the distribution of false information, which we now know, Joe, I gave you four stories Mm -hmm. that were false. If you were part of the distribution of false information through classified channels, then you know what? Your press badge ain't going to save you. And neither are the leakers going to be saved by the fact that, oh, we were doing it for the good of the country. Really? Leaking false information? How's that? Explain that again. Now, for those of you still a little confused to what I was getting at, I'll just give you the quickly the Miami Vice example we used last time from the, I love the movie. I think you people hated it, but the, you know, the new one with the, what's his name? Uh, I don't know. The, the guy, Colin Farrell. That's, I don't watch too many movies. So, but I like the movie. 
even though Jamie Foxx was in it, who I'm not a huge fan of for obvious reasons. You know, him in the, well, it shouldn't be. If you listen to the show, it's obvious. Him in the Verizon thing, you know, with yeah. the cops. But I, I say that like everybody tuned in, you know, uh, <laughs> from episode 400 on. But, you know, he did that thing with Quentin Tarantino. But in the movie, it's, it's an interesting part in the movie where they think there's a leak in their their drug case. They have a big drug case against uh, Jose Euro and the other guys. They call me Crazy Pig. They call me Coachy Loco, right? So in order to determine who the leak is, they arrange this buy, a buy of drugs, and they give different dates to different entities. They give the Miami Police Department one date, the FBI another date. That way, when the when the uh, when it gets back to the bad guy, they know exactly who leaked it to the bad guy. You see what I'm saying? Like, tell mm-hmm. them the drug deal and the FBI it's going to be on Monday. Tell Miami PD it's going to be on Tuesday. Tell Customs it's going to be on Wednesday. That way, when the bad guys reach back out and go, hey, our leaker told us to be careful. The drug deal is going to happen on Monday. They know it came from the FBI because that's the only one who was told the Monday date. That's what's happening. I'm convinced of it. That there's intentional leaks of misinformation that started before Trump even took office that may be designed internally to out leakers who are now being pursued, I believe, vigorously by Sessions DOJ. I know a lot of you are losing patience with them. I get it. I understand. But understand as well the procedural and administrative kind of locomotive efforts going on behind the scenes have to work deliberately slowly because what we don't want to do is we don't want to blow this. We don't want to blow it. We have, sadly, folks, we have lost on what should have been ground ball cases of corruption. The IRS, ground ball, they admitted it, targeting conservative groups. Benghazi, we have four dead bodies mm-hmm. and, and, and multiple pieces of evidence that the response was at a minimum unsatisfactory. Nothing happens. We can't blow this one. We'll never get the country back if we do. Folks, the media here too is intimately involved in this intimately involved in this the media has become the lapdog sycophantic vehicle for intel agencies and the bad people in the intel agencies to engage in what was a rampant spying effort and if you read the tablet mag piece by the way by lee smith he goes over some other examples joe how Government swamp rats, bureaucrats and intel people, this is important, mm-hmm. like this guy Entiaus, Adam Entiaus, he talks about in the piece, how they were kind of felt out, Joe, in the past to see how willingly they would put forth false propaganda type stories before they were trusted with other stuff. Mm. And he says how Entiaus, who, by the way, wrote the story about the Vermont Dam, supposedly the infrastructure was hacked when it wasn't. Smith writes in his tablet mag piece, that's how it's interesting, how also another story he broke was uh, uh, was the NSA and their targeting efforts during the Iran deal of both Israeli politicians and U.S. lawmakers. Now, you may say, well, how's that, Dan? This had the Iran deal happened under the Obama administration. It's now public knowledge that the Obama administration, yes, folks, I don't know if you know this story, spied on U.S. lawmakers during the negotiation. It's already out there in the public arena. Now, the Obama administration, as they always do, is claiming, well, Joe, 
we weren't spying on U.S. lawmakers and uh, <laughs> lobbyists for Israel. What were we doing, Joe? We were spying on foreigners. Yeah. And, uh, oh, hey, crazy. We just happened to catch some U.S. people like lawmakers up in the process. Folks, <laughs> oh, gosh, how stupid do you have to be to believe this? They were not targeting the Israelis. They were targeting the U.S. lawmakers the whole time. It's called reverse targeting. Hey, we can spy on foreigners. Hey, but we caught up some U.S. lawmakers. Yeah, no kidding. Dope. We were listening to them the whole time. We just have to say we're spying on foreigners. Yeah. That's what they do. Yeah. That's what they do. <laughs> yeah. Now, you may say if Empty House outed that story about how the NSA was spying on U.S. lawmakers, then how is he a friendly to, you know, uh, uh, um, to the Obama administration? Because, folks, the Obama administration was going to be outed anyway for <laughs> spying on lawmakers. They were they were busted. So they feel out a friendly and it's painted in the story. And again, read the piece, the tablet mag piece. It's in the show notes today. It's a good one, a really good one, where he talks about how the message in the empty house piece is massaged to make you believe, Joe, that, again, this was all just incidental collection. In other words, the U.S. lawmakers weren't the target. When everyone with a brain realizes at this point, it was. Mm -hmm. They were the target, U.S. lawmakers. So in other words, get a friendly, this reporter, Mm -hmm. have them write a story that gets the message out on our side before we're ratted out for what we really did, which was spying on U.S. lawmakers. Have them write a story, Joe. Oh, it was all incidental. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's where the tablet mag piece goes on and on about how you are witnessing the greatest gaslighting operation in U.S. history by the U.S. press. You are being isolated from the truth. Of course, gaslighting for you regular listeners, meaning the media tells a lie over and over and over again. Russia, 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 Russian collusion. They tell it confidently. No, really Russian collusion. No, this time really, really Russian collusion. They say the lie over and over and over again. This is a way to get someone to believe something that is factually incorrect or not true. Repeat the lie over and over, repeat it confidently, and isolate people from the truth. The Obama administration felt out, felt out media people they could trust. This empty house guy has been the source of endless leaks on this case. I'm probably saying his name wrong, but my apologies. Again, I don't really, I can't get into this pronunciation game on the show. It gets to be too much. You'll be looking all day. (laughs) How do you properly pronounce this guy's name? Now, you may say, well, if they're gaslighting us by using friendly media sources to lie to us about a Russiagate story, that is false. It's a false story. There's no Russian collusion with the Trump team. There's not. It's never going to be found because it's not there. Then how are they isolating us from the truth? And Smith goes into the piece some other really, really terrific points he makes. How the truth tellers, Joe, even on the left Mm -hmm. who are appearing out there, are being silenced. How the media themselves is jumping into this. How the media has fallen in love with tyrannical shut your mouth tactics. Everybody's heard that at some point. It's always disturbing to hear that. Shut your mouth. Shut up. That's just like that. Perfect. (laughs) I did not play. I don't know where he gets these from. He just brings them up by the day. I didn't tell him to give me that. He gets, Smith gives two stories in there. One, a man named Adrian Chen. This guy is a writer. Uh, I, I don't know his political affiliation, but he brings up the point that Chen wrote a piece about Russian server farms, you know, Russian bot type operations, right? Uh, apparently about the IRA. And when asked for his expertise, they quote Chen. And the gist of what he says is, hey, you know, I, I, you know, I was almost afraid to tell the truth about how deeply the Russians can penetrate in the operation because he was almost afraid it would come off as pro-Trump. Like, 
you know, I, I can't imagine what he would have said, but the, I, my guess is that he would have said, hey, listen, the Russians are involved in, you know, uh, trying to influence elections. Yeah. They've always been involved. Mm-hmm. Their success may be limited, but it probably was an effort to sow chaos. And, you know, I'm, I'm putting yeah. words in the guy's mouth completely, but I'm guessing by the gist of what he says that it was not going to be a pro-Hillary, anti-Trump narrative. So he says, like, so, you know, I had to take, take a back seat. They give another even easier example of the press isolating you from the truth. The second example is a ground ball we've already discussed. It was the VP of Facebook advertising who puts out a tweet in a Facebook post not very long ago saying, you remember this Joe's guy, Rob Goldman, that, hey, folks, I'm glad this investigation is, you know, basically wrapping up. But the truth of the matter is most of the Russian ads uh, run in the election uh, were run after the election was over. Yeah, okay. So it's kind of hard to paint the story of sophisticated Russian collusion with the Trump team to win an election when the Russian ads were run after the election, after the election, after the election, liberals. Oh, Joe, this guy was pilloried. He was humiliated. He's lucky he still got a job. That's Smith says that he's right. This guy was like brutally attacked by the left. Okay, man, shut up. You can't tell the truth. The ads were. He's just putting out a fact. The ads were run after the election. No go. No, no. You can't say that. We can't say what? The truth? No. (laughs) Because gaslighting, the media's effort to lie to you and become a full-blown propaganda outfit by sticking propaganda out there, leaked from the intelligence community, committed to taking down Trump, the information will not be believed in an official gaslight If they can't isolate you from the truth and the truth is that there was no Russian collusion, there's no evidence of that at all. So anybody who puts that information out there in a full blown gaslight attempt must be attacked and destroyed. The media has committed itself 100 percent to a full blown anti-Trump operation, even if they have to become pawns by police state tactics of intelligence officials eager to take down Donald Trump, working with politicians to enact tyrannical type political attacks on a political opponent. The media doesn't care. They don't care one bit. CNN will stick with this Russia story. And one more thing on this. He goes into Joe at the end. Mm -hmm. How some of these uh, outlets now that are deeply invested, like the New Yorker, he brings up specifically, Hmm. deeply invested in this Russian collusion story. They're in a lot of trouble, folks. They have been running stories for months. Once this thing falls apart because there's no collusion, they are credibility's done. Done. Yep. Finished. You may say, oh, they'll get over it. I don't think so, folks. You know, history is a really harsh judge. When the politics of the of the current situation, when the acute crisis becomes chronic, history is a harsh judge. You may say, what do you mean by that? The media is invested in the now, but they can't lie forever. The media was invested heavily in Jimmy Carter. But as the failures of Jimmy Carter over time became so transparently obvious, the media was no longer willing to hold on to Carter over its own sales. They need to be somewhat credible so people keep consuming their news. They had to at some point throw Jimmy Carter under the bus. Now, really no credible media outlet now, now that they're decades removed and the voting penalty is gone. 
because you can't attack Carter during an election. People won't vote for him. You have to make sure the Democrat wins. Now that the voting penalty is gone, no credible media outlet will defend Jimmy Carter and his record. They won't. It's, he was an obvious failure as a president. You see where I'm going with this show? The yeah. New York Press did the same thing with David Dinkins. Mm-hmm. Defend him, defend him, defend him. Giuliani yeah. gets elected. The city turns around. Once there was no voting penalty, eight years after Giuliani, even the liberal New York Press was like, all right, Dinkins really wasn't that great. I'm telling you that because this is all going to come out. And places like the New Yorker that are deeply invested in this story and are now hiring people to continue to try to defend this. Sooner or later, they're going to take a bath. They're going to take a bath. I've told you about this line before. Corporations, you learn in business school, you Mm. screw up a couple quarters earnings, you just take a bath. You go public and you admit everything. All right, we lost all this money. Let's move on. They're going to have to take a bath because there's no collusion. The story they have been telling you for almost two years now is false. The New Yorkers trying to run stories about Christopher Steele being a saint and a martyr in this. None of this is going to work. None of it because there's no there, there, there. History is going to destroy and decimate and make a mockery of their credibility. Take it to the bank and smile about it. It may not happen now. It may not happen tomorrow. But oh boy, it's going to happen. Because there's nothing there. Now, I did tell you about the Andy McCarthy piece a while ago that they're going to try to get, you know, Manafort yeah. on some laundering and they may they may, uh, uh, you know, try to gain some rapprochement with the public. Like, all right, the collusion thing wasn't really there, but Manafort was a bad guy. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. I, 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 I love Andy, but I disagree. I don't think the conservative press is ever going to let go of the fact that the media invested for two years in a story that was absolutely patently false. I don't think they're going to let it go. And I think they're going to have hell to pay for it. All right. um, Today's show brought to you by our buddies at Brickhouse Nutrition. Hey, have you tried Field of Greens yet? Uh, If you haven't, give it a shot. It's their fruit and vegetable powder. It's like fruit and vegetable insurance. I love it. I'm telling you, it tastes great. It's really good. But I want to talk about another one of their products I haven't mentioned in a while, Dawn to Dusk. Uh, Folks, listen, we all have long tough days i mean it's it is it's hard getting through the day i've got like three jobs right now and i'd be lost without dawn to dusk what is it it is a 10 hour energy pill 10 hour time release energy pill that gets you through the day without the highs and lows that's the worst part i mean anybody can down a cup of coffee uh and you know and get that 20 minute spike in energy and then you're crashing an hour later dawn to dusk works for 10 hours nice elevated energy level mood level it's great for people who have difficult jobs blue collar white collar even for you working parents out there who have really long days to get through go give it a shot dawn to dusk it's the best energy pill in the market i get spectacular reviews from brick house uh, and from uh, people who email me about it it's called dawn to dusk that's dawn to dusk it's available at brickhousenutrition.com slash dan that's BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Give Field of Greens a shot. Give Dawn to Dusk a shot. You'll love it. This is one of the best young, upcoming, hungry nutrition company products on the market today. They put the best products out there. I wouldn't get behind them. Love these guys. Give Dawn to Dusk a shot. BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Um, okay. Uh, I had a couple other things to get through. I just, uh, let me just cover quickly in, in some, some, some news stories of the day because it's important. Hey, huge, huge to steal Donald Trump's term job numbers today, folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, broke right before we came on the air. The job numbers for February were ridiculous. 313,000 jobs. That's not um, 
okay, that's not good. That's not very good. That is awesome. Huge job numbers for February. Now, uh, prepare yourselves for the liberal media spin and the liberal hack spin, but that's the same thing. They're going to say, well, look, you know, of course, Obama did it and your comeback should be very simple. Well, that's funny because during eight years of Barack Obama, you blame George W. Bush for a crap economy now that Obama's gone and the policies have turned around and have changed from the Obama administration. The economy's turned around and now you're trying to give Obama credit after blaming Bush for eight years. That is awfully convenient how that works out. Nice job, Libs. Uh, it is entirely BS. Now, some good news here, and a, 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 you know, I always like to temper it, but a little bit of area for concern. Wages are going to go up soon dramatically. You say, well, why are you concerned about that? And I'm concerned about it because of the reason. The economy is very hot right now. 313,000 jobs, Joe, yeah. is a huge number. Wages are going to go up is, is not a concern. But the reason they're going up for me is, folks, there are not enough workers out there. The labor force participation rate, I took the numbers, I went and looked them up this morning, is still only 62.7%, meaning the percentage of the eligible working age population, 62.7% of people working, that's still very low, folks. The Obama era low was 62.3. So even though we're doing better, 62.3 during Obama at their low, we're now at 62.7. The higher the number, the better means more people participating in the labor force. Yeah. The number is still relatively low historically. Now, how does that tie into wages? It ties into wages, Joe, because there's just not enough people out there. So what's happening? Companies, in order to attract employees in a really shrunken pool, are bidding up wages, saying, all right, you know, I give Joe, Joe is a mm -hmm. sound engineer. He deals with some complicated equipment for the podcast and for the radio show he works for. If Joe were to leave the radio show tomorrow... There's basically not as many people bidding for the job. Right. So say Joey Bag of Donuts comes in and says, I'll replace Joe. But I've got three other bids from WBAL and other radio. So what are you going to pay? All of a sudden, the WCBM says, well, all right, we'll match that bid. Mm -hmm. Wages are going to go up because the supply of workers is low. So there's good news. But again, I like to temper things. I don't want to be you know, any kind of a sycophant for anyone. Unlike the Obama administration, people did for them. Ugh, big bootlickers. It drove me crazy. But this is a huge number, and I think you can expect some pretty dramatic wage numbers. That's the good news. The bad news is we still have to get people back into the workforce. Now, one of the theories out there as to why labor force participation is still low, which I agree with because I've seen it. I've got, unfortunately, some family experience with it, is the abuse show of SSDI, Social Security Disability Insurance. Huh. Okay. It has become the new for many, not all, a lot of people are legitimately disabled, but it has become for many people, unfortunately, the new permanent unemployment. Hmm. And what they're saying is a lot of the, uh, the the reason attributable to the low labor force participation is the fact that people are on basically permanent income replacement who are claiming they're disabled and are not. And some of the evidence they give in the Wall Street Journal today is pretty compelling. They say, Joe, that when they evaluate Similar groups of people with similar stated injuries who say they're disabled and they go to evaluators who have to okay. evaluate their claims to go mm -hmm. on disability permanently. Mm -hmm. Similar groups of people, when they're subjected to tough evaluators show, in other words, evaluators who have tough questions like, are oh, you really disabled? You kind of look like you're doing all right. That when people are subjected to tough evaluators, unsurprisingly, folks, they go back to work. 
Wait, I thought you were disabled. I'm not saying there aren't people who are on SSDI are not disabled. I'm telling you, obviously, right. there are people taking advantage. And when Joe, they're subjected to tough evaluators, mm-hmm. they magically go back to work. When subjected to soft or easy evaluators, they don't. So, it, by the way, in Europe, which is, I am not a big, I am not a Europhile at all. Their labor practices are horrible. Their big government taxation policies are horrible. But... A lot of countries in Europe, as described by the Wall Street Journal piece that I think Freeman wrote it, um, have shockingly, Joe, very strict policies on permanent disability because they have such a large nanny state. They, they literally go bankrupt tomorrow if everybody, uh, well, not literally, that'd be figuratively. I hate when people misuse the terms. They'd go bankrupt if they, uh, if they didn't institute strict controls over who can be classified as disabled. Hmm. So they say how it's interesting how in Germany and other countries, when they instill controls over this, that their labor force participation rate is almost higher than ours. So a lot of it's SSDI. Um, finally, one final point before we go. I know I haven't said much on it, uh, but I opened up with the North Koreans. Uh, I don't want to leave this. I, you know, we don't do a lot of foreign policy on the show, but I found this fascinating. Uh, another big round of applause for Trump. Just two quick points on this. Number one, for all your liberal friends who don't want to give them credit, we've tried predictability forever with the North Koreans. And they've crapped all over us and built their nuclear program, holding a nuclear trigger weapon at the head of the world uh, in, in exchange for ransom payments forever. Maybe Trump's tweets and Trump's unpredictability in this crisis have been a strategic weapon. Think about it. We've said forever that Kim Jong-un is so dangerous because he's unpredictable. Well, why wouldn't that work for us, too? Oh, we're the United States. We have to be dignified in our diplomacy. Do we? When dealing with a maniac who shoots up family members with a uh, anti-aircraft gun, yeah, look, Google the story if you think I'm making it up. The guy's nuts. He may be rational, but he's nuts. Maybe the fact that he thinks our guy is nuts is an asset, not a curse. Secondly, I've said this before. After the Iraq War, George Rasley wrote a great piece on this. Nearly every hostile foreign actor on on Earth learned the same lesson. You never, ever go to war with the United States without nukes. Ever. You will be annihilated. You will be destroyed. You will be destroyed immediately. Gulf War I freaked out every hostile enemy to the United States around the world. Remember the Iraqi army was supposed to be feared? (laughs) We had them running with white t-shirt flags across the desert within days. That panicked everyone. I say that because they're all watching as they try to obtain their own nukes, people that hate us, knowing they can never go to war with us without them. They're all watching what happens with North Korea. If Trump breaks this North Korean stalemate and denuclearizes the peninsula, this is going to be one of the greatest foreign policy successes in U.S. history, and that is not hyperbolic. All right, folks, thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed the show today. I always appreciate your feedback, positive and negative. Bring it uh, my way. And by the way, one big thank you to everybody who's been dancing. Thank you for all your inspirational stories. Thank you for the person who responded to the March for uh, the March for their lives rally. You know who you are. Thanks for all the people telling me their stories are speaking up. I am. I'm never going to forget it. You bring a tear to my eye too. keep dancing, folks. And I'll see you all on Monday. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.